brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the exception of songs like Lady Gaga's Born This Way or Diana Ross's I'm Coming Out, very few pop songs written as a tribute to LGBT folks have ever reached the top of the charts. But that doesn't mean the songs that weren't so gay to begin with couldn't end up being the soundtrack at our favorite bars, drag shows, or pride celebrations. Today, we take a look at songs that didn't start out as gay anthems, but somehow the cover versions ultimately became LGBT legendary tracks. Listen as we take a look at Soft Cell's Tainted Love, Cyndi Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Grace Jones's La Vie en Rose, the theme song of the Golden Girls, Thank You for Being a Friend, and much more. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for being a friend of Feast of Fun. We couldn't do this podcast without you. To support the show that you love, visit feastoffun.com slash plus to become a member or visit our store, feastoffun.com slash store to get yourself a fabulous t-shirt.
was Mark Allman singing Tainted Love in the 1980s synth pop duo Soft Cell, which was a huge hit at its time. Oh, my God. It was a huge hit. Now, the New Music Express, which is a British music journalism magazine, and they've been publishing since 1952, listed mm-hmm. Tainted Love as the number 305 fifth song in their list of 500 greatest songs of all time. So it's a wow, big it's song. on the top of <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty big. I'd be impressed if it was one or two or three yeah. or four, but With 305th? <laughs> yeah, according to LGBT mm. social media influencers, yeah. we're 104. Well, so it's not know. like, you know, we're on the top of it. Well, you know, in, in 2005, it was also voted by the British public as the nation's fourth favorite 1980s number one hit song. Now you're talking. Yeah. And that song was on the charts for a long, long time, like 45 weeks, which and, is super long. And for a lot of LGBT people, especially gay men who were dancing in clubs mm-hmm. in Europe and the United States at the time, Tainted Love was everywhere. Oh, gosh, it was everywhere. And it was big. And you kind of you look at the video, too, and you kind of like you see it's so weird that first video. Now, granted, they did two videos for the song, and there was a couple actually videos of this song. So they did the first one that came out, and it's odd because it has Almond there, and he's kind of dressed as a Greek god in Mount Olympus. And then the other member of the band comes along and brings like this little girl with him, and he's singing "Tainted Love" to her, and like it's like he's scolding like this little girl, and it just doesn't make any sense. And you're like, is this some kind of pedo bear kind of thing? Well, it's certainly you know MTV started in 1981, mm. the year that, that Tainted Love became a hit. And certainly, they were very smart in getting a music video out there that was very visual and sort of weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, weirdness was paramount. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Duran Duran's Is There Something I Should Know, a lot of music videos from the 1980s look like uh, low-budget Twilight Zone episodes. <laughs> so in 1981, Soft Cell's music video for Tainted Love Echoed one of my favorite movies, The Forbidden Zone, mm. starring Hervé Villachez as King Fausto. <laughs> King of the Forbidden Zone. And in New York City at that time period, being weird and certainly in London, uh, performance art and happenings and costumes and just weirdness for weird sake, but very an aloof coolness was mm-hmm. very attractive. And so Mark Almond stumbled upon the this, uh, song. It was actually originally written by the four preps as a B-side of a flop record mm-hmm. sung by soul singer Gloria Jones in 1964. Mm-hmm. In an interview, Gloria Jones said, I never liked the word tainted and tainted love. I thought it was something nasty. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's part of the reason why we kind of think of it as a gay anthem, because, you know, this song was actually re-recorded in 1985 by a band named Coil. And they did a new video for it, and Mark Almond even made a cameo in it. And mm-hmm. it had a guy who was dying of HIV and AIDS in the video, and Mark Almond does make an appearance on it. And in that version of the song, all the profits from the song were donated to an AIDS foundation. You know, the idea of having a gay relationship, there was a certain bit of a taint to it. You know, there was like, it was something like it was forbidden, it was wrong. And it's to me really remarkable mm-hmm. that here is a chart topping hit. With mm-hmm. a very openly gay pop singer mm-hmm. and uh, a very overt uh, message and music video that was talking about what gay men in the early 80s were going through. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the AIDS crisis in 1985, that was at the at the very beginning. People were very confused. This was a very taboo subject. It was political suicide to even embrace LGBT mm-hmm. people. It, it really was really remarkable that this song became such a hit and had so much airplay on MTV. Well, and then they re- actually did it again in the early 90s, too, and they, they had made a new video for it, too. And then this video is like this really hot guy in bed, and then he's like being tormented by like these two figures that are made out of stars, while Mark Allman's kind of like this big giant head in space singing to them. And that had kind of very like, this guy's home alone in bed, he's reading his astrological sign, he's like, get ready for a bumpy night. And then that happens. But it's interesting, though, too, is, you know, the guy that originally uh, wrote the song, Ed Cobb, he was he was from a boy band, the four the four preps. And you might know this. The, the one song that they had, it kind of goes like 26 miles across the sea. Santa Catalina is waiting for me. You I have to, no idea what yeah, that is. You used to hear it on the oldie stations. OK, now I know oldie stations usually play stuff from the 70s and 80s now. But when I was a kid, you'd hear oldie stations. It was stuff from the 50s. And so that song kind of sounds kind of familiar. When I was a kid, the <laughs> All these stations played Benny Goodman. <laughs> it's kind of like that in some senses. But, you know, the thing is, though, too, is so it's a boy band. And so those boy bands all seem kind of gay. And he wrote this song in what is 65 or 64 for Gloria Jones. And she sang it. And it, so who knows? Maybe he was a closeted guy and he had it his own version of Tainted Love. Uh, well, recently, I believe the BBC uh, mm-hmm. did a documentary where they interviewed Gloria Jones mm-hmm. and Mark Almond about it. And the song was meant to talk about sailors um, who were sort of uh, trying to seduce young women Mm. and uh, they had tainted love because their their affections weren't sincere. Oh, and so a guy writing about sailors seducing women, that's not gay at all. No. (laughs) No, So Mark Allman said that, Mm -hmm. you know, this song really, they really liked the word tainted love Mm -hmm. and they felt that the music of the, especially the synth, synth new age music of the, I'm sorry, the synth new wave music of the 1980s was too icy, too cold and too mm-hmm. distant. And so they wanted a warm feeling. And so they were seeking out a, a soul, a, a gospel or some sort of rhythm and blues mm-hmm. track that they could cover for this. And so um, both Gloria Jones and Mark Allman didn't like this song at all. Uh, Gloria Jones didn't like it because she felt it was Mm kind of crude. Mm -hmm. And Mark Almond uh, thought it was a warm up song. It was just a to have fun, to get himself warmed up Mm -hmm. in the studio to then record his whole album. It was meant to be a throwaway. And it was a big hit. Well, what's interesting about this and how this this song, because it was relatively known in the United States, right? Because it was produced in, in Motown at a time when a lot of Motown acts were getting pushed aside because a lot of there was the British invasion that was coming in. It was the Rolling Stones. It was the Beatles. And so a lot of people in Motown felt as though their careers were stagnated because a lot of this, the soul music was now all of a sudden coming out of the UK. And, uh, you know, there's certain elements of racism there as, uh, as well. And so there was one guy, he, uh, DJ Richard Serling. And so in 1973, now this is eight songs, eight years after the song was originally recorded, he found the song, brought it back to the UK, and started playing it in uh, the club scene. And there's actually this idea in 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 the UK of this uh, northern soul. And so the people in the north of England liked a certain kind of soul music that came out 
of Motown from the 60s. So the people in the 70s were listening to stuff from like mid 60s, not the new stuff, not the new stuff from the 70s, because that was more funk. They like the old stuff. And because so much of that music, they like the Supreme yeah. sound. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And so they liked that. And uh, there was a wealth of music there because they recorded so much in the, uh, in that era that just didn't get played on American radio stations or in the UK. So people were constantly rediscovering this and it became such a hit on that scene. And that's where Soft Self picked it up. So it became such a hit on that scene that Gloria re-recorded it, but they kind of like you know made it more funky and it wasn't as popular, and so it flopped again. Oh, but, she had two <laughs> flops in her hands. Yeah, but then soft because Soft Cell was familiar with that kind of music, they were able to take that song and then reinvent it, and it became a super huge hit. So it seems like Tainted Love is a song that's been almost like a tennis game between mm-hmm. Mark Almond <laughs> and Gloria Jones through the course of their lives Mm -hmm. bouncing it back and forth let's actually listen to the original gloria jones tainted love really like the original version. Oh, they're both good. You know, yeah. they're both fantastic. I, I'm surprised that they actually didn't have a hit on their hands. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. In 1964 you, with this you, song. A lot of issues there. There's payola, which is pay for play. If you want to be on the radio, you have to pay to get your song out there. But also at this time, there was the British invasion going on in the music scene. And so a lot of the Motown music was pushed aside for what people called like blue eyed soul. 
you know, as somebody, if you don't write the song, you don't make a lot of money from it. You might make money from the initial release, but that radio play, all that stuff goes to the writer of the song. That's why a lot of artists, if they're going to do a song, they say, I want to also get writing credit. Maybe they'll just put one word in or put something else into it just so that they can have their name on it. Because Mark Almond, he told uh, in an interview, here I'll quote him, he says, we recorded Tainted Love as a long improvised 12-inch single that at the end morphed into Where Did Our Love Go by the Supremes. It was chopped into two for the 7-inch version, a half for each side. This was the biggest mistake we ever made. Having a cover version on both sides mean we didn't get any songwriting royalties for the biggest selling hit in 1981. That must have cost us millions of pounds. Because back in the day, you didn't buy one track. Mm -hmm. You bought the record. And there were yeah. little, mm-hmm. what is it, eight inch or? Well, you could get an album, or you could get, a, or you could get a, you know, a forty-five. But in this case, he's talking about mm-hmm. a, a single that mm-hmm. has one song on one side yeah. and a song on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so the, he didn't have songwriting credits mm-hmm. for either. Yeah. So when those records were selling, he lost a ton of money because of it. If you listen and look at the rest of the examples that we have. In today's show, um, gay men, gay male entertainers and black female entertainers have had a, a decades long relationship where they either influenced or helped to write songs on behind the scenes. Certainly like uh, Diana Ross's I'm Coming Out was uh, uh, Niall Rogers said he wrote that because of drag queens that were coming to see Diana Ross's shows. Oh, wow. And I think throughout the course of, of history, we've seen sort of this uh, alliance, allegiance happening between gay male artists and black female entertainers, as we'll get into this. Moving on, let's play a little bit of Cindy Lauper's own remake of her classic 1983 hit, Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. popular song. Ka-ching! Originally, Girls Just Want to Have Fun was recorded four years earlier to Cindy's release by the songwriter Robert Hazard. He intended the song to be about a guy who just couldn't get women to settle down. All girls wanted was to have fun. 
And for Lauper's version, Cindy actually changed the lyrics to make them into a feminist mm-hmm. anthem. Well, and what do, you, do you know what exactly she changed? Because like, when you hear the song, she's like, Mom and dear, we're, and he actually sings this, and you can hear it. He goes, Mom and dear, we're not the fortunate ones. Girls just want to have fun. Uh, Cindy Lauper's version starts off with her mother nagging at her because mm-hmm. she's coming in late at night. And then her father, the phone rings in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. and my father yells, what you're going to do with your life? Mm-hmm. Oh, daddy, dear, you know you're still number one. In, in Robert Hazard's version, he's telling his mother she's number one. Oh. He says to his dad, you're the fortunate one because, dad, you got married. His father is the fortunate one, not because he's a man, but because he's married. Because girls, they want to have fun. Mm. But, you know, it's interesting. And then she goes on to re-record it in the early 90s because she didn't own the the copyright to it either. No. And so she, if she added her own version of it and she did that reggae beat with the hey now, hey now. Yes. Uh, that she could actually own it again. The song by Robert Hazard just was like kind of sitting somewhere. Probably was pushed uh, onto Cindy Lauper because both Cindy and Robert at the time had a very new wave aesthetic. Mm-hmm. When Cindy Lauper re-recorded it in 1994 for her album The Twelve Deadly Sins, it got used for as a soundtrack to Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmar, mm-hmm. the, the movie with all the drag queens. Mm-hmm. And so if you actually look at the music video on YouTube, you can see all these drag queens, including a very, 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 very young Coco Peru dancing next to Cindy Lauper. In the Aww. Video. And, you know, but I'd say it has to enter like the world of, of, of gayness or of like a gay anthem. Well, but the original song that she did in the early 80s is really what cemented it. And being in a camp classic like Tu Wong Fu certainly cemented it. But it was just like that song was like everywhere when I was a kid. And it was one of the first real songs to be on MTV and just played nonstop. Well, it was really fun to see Cindy Lauper's kind of teenage college years mm-hmm. where her mother was actually played by her mother in real life. Mm-hmm. But her father was wrestling personality, Captain Lou Albano. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who didn't want to live in Cindy Lauper's house, which in the middle of the night, they had these fabulous yeah. parties. And you could do like a conga line or a snake dance, I think they call it. I remember being at a house party back then because, uh, you know, my friend's older brothers and sisters were like of legal age and they had a house party one weekend. And that song came on the television because we're all sitting around watching it. You're like, oh, my God, it's going to come on again at eight o'clock. We were excited. And then we all just did a conga line through it. But what's also on you uh what kind of cements that as a gay anthem is that the the album that's on is called she's so unusual right which sounds like a catty shady thing to say to a drag Mm -hmm. queen (laughs) but it actually you know it harkens back to a a song that was called he's so unusual from like the early night or from the mid uh 1920s by helen kane who maybe one of the people that was like betty boop was based on or kind of had that like betty boop kind of voice she had the Uh, same kind of voice and and she yeah and so uh cindy actually that's exactly the same kind of voice as cindy lopper and she also sings the song he's so unusual talk about like why does my boyfriend not want to kiss me why in the dark does he not want to be around me why when we're in the taxi does he want to talk to the chauffeur and not cuddle with me and if you look at like on youtube everybody's just like your man is gay girl <laughs> <laughs> gay 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 Cindy lopper's home in the song in the original girls just want to mm-hmm. have fun was also really important because it created what i call 
um, mu- 80s music video space. And so uh, music videos like uh, Twisted Sisters, um, uh, what is it, uh, We're Not Gonna Take It, mm-hmm. um, and also the Beastie Boys, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. Mm-hmm. All t- uh, in my mind, they all take place in the same house. <laughs> Where these weird pink mm-hmm. walls, our and where house. the walls are very our house too, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the street, where the walls can be punched through mm-hmm. if the emotions are high enough, <laughs> and then on the other side, um, it's not you know uh, drywall and electrical wiring pipes, but celebrities pop out of the wall, <laughs> and you at the end you have this amazing mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. That is kind of true, isn't it? It's like all of it's kind of like what's going on behind the green door. It's like all this fun is happening over there. You just have to open up your mind to it. And I think that's why these songs ultimately resonated with so many people. Mm. Let's actually play uh, Robert Hazard's uh, demo of "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," the man's point of view. take a moment and remind the listeners that Feast of Fun is made possible because of generous support of fantastic people like you. You can make a donation to Feast of Fun at feastoffun.com slash donate because your contribution to this show is what makes this show happen. And we don't think of you guys as just an audience or as fans. We think of you guys as friends. Mm-hmm. We want to thank you for being a friend <laughs> and being a sponsor of this show, which, mm-hmm. which brings us to the next gay anthem, the theme to the Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Let's listen to the original version that was recorded in 1978 by Andrew Gold. And I'm not making this up. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way My hat is off Won't you stand up and take a bow What if we took the formula of Golden Girls and made them all young and living 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. New York City. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Samantha in Sex and the City is really a... Blanche. Blanche, Mm -hmm. the sex-starved, you know, strong woman. And then uh, the common-sense intelligent was Dorothy. Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm -hmm. And the, the, you know, frenzied, uh, hapless... Uh, but very nice. Uh, Betty White was the the brunette in mm-hmm. Sex in the City. Uh, so you're saying the redhead is the is Sophia, the grandma? It That's doesn't, right. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work, but you know it, it kind of work. works. It kind of works, ways, but it yeah. doesn't work. Uh, but it might be a little variation of it. Now, so the but TV theme song. Everybody thinks that that was a TV theme song written for the television show, and it's they're just always, so and good. They're, and they're always surprised when it like it, it, it's not because that show came out in the 80s, but that song was actually recorded in 1978. It was written and performed by. Andrew Gold uh, for his third album, All This and Heaven Too, which is like, isn't that also like the title of a Douglas Sirk movie? And Douglas Sirk is is very well known for his uh, gay subtext to all his movies. Well, his melodramatic films, Mm -hmm. Douglas Sirk's films, uh, laid the foundation to modern soap operas and, you know, certainly shows like Dynasty and Joan Collins fighting Mm -hmm. with... Uh, Linda Evans, those campy moments on television, mm-hmm. owe a lot to the films of mm-hmm. Douglas Sirk. Well, his version of the song reached number 25 on the Billboard charts in 1978. What's interesting about uh, Andrew Gold, though, is his, you might probably know his mother, or maybe you don't know her, because they call her Hollywood's like invisible voice, Marnie Nixon, and she just recently died in July of 2016. And she provided the singing voice for a lot of actresses like Natalie Wood in West Side Story, Deborah Kerr in The King and I, and Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. And, you know, uh, Marilyn Monroe and Gen- Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, the Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend song. There was a couple of high notes that she couldn't reach, and so they just had Marnie do those notes. So if you watch it or you listen to it, you can see when the high notes come, it's not Marilyn, it's Marnie. It's very similar to what we call that, uh, what is it, um, folding in mm-hmm. consonant sounds or vowels or mm-hmm. words when the original recording doesn't capture them or make sense to mm-hmm. a listener. Um, and Cookie with Drag Queens on our episode with Kim Chi, Kim Chi comes into the kitchen and just kind of jokingly says, we're not cooking your dog. Mm-hmm. Or he, dog. Uh, he pronounced it like dough. Dog. And we knew what he was yeah. saying and we reacted. Yeah. But uh, when we the edit was done, we couldn't understand what she was talking mm-hmm. about. We're not going to cook your dough. Yeah. Right. And it yeah. sounds like the dough of the bread. Right. So I went down there, went in and recorded, said, wrote, the, said the word dog, mm-hmm. but p- 
pronounce you know tie into imitate kimchi and which so every drag queen in chicago has a uh, kimchi imitation of and so i pasted the d and the g mm-hmm. sound over kimchi's mm-hmm. o and See, it works perfectly. Yeah. And you cannot tell, can tell that that's me. Go and watch it now and be like, it what? happens in the beginning. And be like, that's Fausto's DNG. And, you know, and, and really like to me, you know, what's really great about uh, Thank You for Being a Friend is just that this this TV show, for some reason, you know, maybe it's because logos are starving for good content, mm-hmm. has become now associated as one of the gayest TV shows of all time. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to disagree with you there. Golden Girls has been gay long, long, long before it ever got into Logo. Logo just was like, hey, gay people like this, so we might as well pick it up. I mean, ever since it came out, people were involved. And in fact, you know, when the series first started, they actually had a gay cabana boy as a character. But they nixed him off pretty early and then just started focusing on, on the women. But they had a lot of uh, like gay themes and, you know, uh, characters, characters and People, scenarios and people trying to accept somebody's homosexuality, that kind of thing. I think they also joked on B. Arthur's sexuality. They confused her for being transgender and for being a lesbian <laughs> in the series. Easy enough to do. And, you know, in real life, it's rumored that B. Arthur was well, uh, we, gender or, or sexually nonconforming. We asked, uh, who was it, comedian uh, Bruce Valanche when he was on the show, because he knew her, because he had written, you know, the Star Wars Christmas special, which she was on. I'm like, was she a lesbian? And she goes, I, he goes, I don't think she was. When she was married and her husband left her, and he goes, she was absolutely heartbroken when that happened. And, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely possible to be, a, you know, a butch woman and, mm-hmm. you know, still like men and be in love with men and come off as a lesbian. Well, I think that's she what, was a former yeah. Marine. Remember, holy shit! She, she drove Don't a truck. Be Arthur, but she also didn't like. She didn't like people knowing that, so it was not something that she put out there. But she did. She drove a truck for the Marines during World War II. If you search on YouTube for B. Arthur and Rock Hudson, uh, you can find this weird little uh, music a song they did about taking drugs in the early '80s called "Everyone These Days Is Turning On." And it's it's phenomenal that they did this on a CBS television special as part of uh, B. Arthur's Variety Hour. Is that, they're, they're bla- was yeah. that what it was from? Yeah, it was from- it's a, it, they're just, but, you know, blatantly but, talking about mm-hmm. drugs. But that is actually from a musical that was on Broadway that was very popular at the time. Mm, and that's why they could get away and with it. And that's why they could get away with it. And I actually listened to a music show on Broadway, and they're like, show songs that probably wouldn't be in shows today.
That was Grace Jones's La Vie en Rose from 1977. Now, what's interesting about this is, you know, most of these uh, songs are based on covers that you don't know about. Now, everybody is probably familiar with the very popular song La Vie en Rose. It was the signature song of the French singer Edith Piaf. It was written in 1945 and then recorded in 1947. And Piaf says she wrote this song because so many of the songs that she was uh, singing that were written by other people were like, they were sad songs. You know, I lost my lover. When will I find my love? When will this happen? You know, all those kind of like aspirations looking for something. And so uh, La Vie en Rose was a song about I have love in my life and this is what I'm celebrating and it, it, it does everything for me. Uh, what's interesting about this though, is Grace Jones's cover of it is that she's not covering uh, Edith Piaf's cover, she's covering a disco version because there was a disco producer, uh, Tom Moulton, contacted Grace Jones about making her first album, Portfolio, and he wanted to co- have her cover show tunes like Send in the Clowns and Tomorrow, and then she suggested Le Vian Rose, and he's just like, ugh, I hate that song. She's like, oh no, but wait, I heard a, a, a recent version, a disco version out in New York, and he's just like, uh, wait a second, um... I think I know what song you're talking about because he had actually produced that song it was with a singer named Teresa Waiter. And so they recorded it. Uh, Teresa Waiter heard it and then she refused to let Moulton let it out. But somehow a copy got secreted out. And then from there, it hit the uh, New York disco scene where Grace Jones had heard it. So after their first meeting, her saying, I heard this version, him saying, I don't like that song. He goes, but I do have the tracks for it. She came in the studio for the very next day and recorded over those same instrumentals. Probably high in cocaine. (laughs) I hope. Uh, you know, Teresa Waiter, I guess uh, this is, you know, this is very much like Florence Foster Jenkins mm-hmm. in this in the sense that she recorded this song. And back in the day, if you wanted to steal off an audio mm-hmm. recording, it was not just like copy something into a flash drive and right. take it away. They had to literally create a a a what is called an acrylic record an acetate acetate record. Mm-hmm. They took sheet black sheets of, of acetate and pressed it into this physical recording. Mm-hmm. And it was not something cheap or quick that could be mm-hmm. done. Now, for those of you guys who actually, you know, got magazines in the 1980s, mm-hmm. um, every now and then the magazine would have one of those acetate sure. records that you could put on your record album. You could get them on cereal boxes. Yeah, you could. All sorts of stuff, yeah. And so they were, you know, they were meant to be disposable. They're meant <sighs> to be quick. Could we, could we put a podcast on acetate, do you think? Uh, you, <laughs> you could. It could be expensive. So anyway, here's Teresa Waiter's version of La Vie en Rose, and it's the same instrumentals that are used on Grace Jones's version. Identical. Grace Jones, like 
like uh, Gloria Jones uh, in Tainted Love. She's not too crazy about Lovey and Rose. No, she says that she just recently said in her autobiography, she goes, you know, I, I go back and I listen to that song. I'm like, oh, my God, I was off key here and I was off key here. But, uh, you know, at the time, it was just like I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> And this is one thing I wanted to draw attention again to is this relationship between uh, gay men of all races uh, in the disco and club scene in New York and London with black female entertainers of the time. Uh, Diana Ross, Grace Jones, Gloria Gaynor, Gloria Jones, Anita Ward uh, with her song Ring My Bell. Uh, and Donna Summer all greatly benefited from their collaborations mm. with these and and vice versa. And so even so to that, sometimes Donna Summer herself uh, sort of sabotage her career by saying that uh, later on that AIDS was a a punishment of from God for gay she men. She said that that was and all, then later yeah. she she didn't she went back and said she hadn't been misquoted. Yes, because that was during the time when you could do some kind of uh, you know it was just only you, you talked to somebody you, they wrote down what you said. It wasn't like a podcast where it was yeah. recorded. And so she said that she was absolutely misrepresented and and it, it hurt her feelings very much. But I think part of it is like we've always you know had the need to support each other and we needed each other as, as communities as you know, and sometimes um, black music and gay music is the same music. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so when I hear today people talking about, you know, misappropriation or cultural appropriation, I think what we really want to be talking about is who's getting paid mm -hmm. and who's getting credited. Sure. And too often, I think, unfortunately, in the music industry, especially, we see um, black entertainers or black artists um, get uh, taken advantage of by record labels and taking their hard work and passing it on to a more commercially viable white version mm -hmm. of this. But I think when it comes to gay men and black female entertainers specifically, um, we've had we sort of we are, you know, disenfranchised in different ways. And so our alliance, our, our, our shared interest as musical collaborators has been some of the most important things that have happened in popular music in the last 50 years. Mm. And that collaboration goes in, in many different ways, whereas you have something like I Am What I Am from the Broadway musical La Caja Fall gets a diva treatment with Gloria Gaynor. Or you have um, Whitney Houston doing a cover of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. Both of those songs are very covered and lip synced mm -hmm. by many drag queens. Oh, yeah throughout the mm. decades. And certainly, you know, when uh, I Will Always Love You first came out with Whitney Houston, a lot of people didn't even realize it was a Dolly cover. And then it came out over time. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a Dolly Parton cover. And, uh, you know, Dolly uh, has been quoted in interviews. She goes, I don't mind if people think that it's Whitney's Houston song because I wrote it. So as long as the money keeps coming in, they can think it's Whitney's song all they want. But you go to a Dolly Parton concert. Mm -hmm. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sir. And if it's not nine to five, she ends the the show mm-hmm. with. It's usually I will always love I you. I think it's all I will always love you. Yeah. What she at least that's what she did last time we saw her. Now, one song that was kind of written by uh, you know or had a gay following to begin with, and then got another gay following was Go West, and it was originally done by the Village People, and it was written by Victor Willis, who's the black guy. Who the, he claims not to be gay, right? He's the one that's kind of like left the group, and they, the the group has they have some hard feelings there, right? Okay, Jacques Morelli, who is the he was not a musician, he was not a singer, he was a you know he was a a mover and a shaker. Mm-hmm. Um, put together the village people, um, which is a really strange like it's a strange concept at the time to have. Five gay visual icons, a cowboy, mm-hmm. the construction worker, the Native American, yeah. the cop, and Victor Willis, the black guy. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and I think, uh, you know, they treated Victor Willis really poorly, in my opinion, about it. And Victor Willis seemed uneasy because he identifies as heterosexual, and he got found himself the star, the lead singer, uh, the musical genius behind this 1970s and early 80s musical sensation. So, you know, from the song Just a Gigolo to, uh, you know, to YMCA, YMCA, man, he was really like, what the hell is going on with my (laughs) life? You know, and and, and part of it is this uneasy Mm -hmm. alliance between black entertainers and and gay sensibilities. Well, and he's he denies that it's a gay anthem because, you know, the song he says the title comes from like the quote, go west, young man, which is attributed to Horace Greeley, uh, who was who was a writer and actually in my hometown of Erie there's a little plaque that says you know because he had lived in my hometown I guess he was in Erie and he was just like I need to get the fuck out of here go west young man and it was like a herald like go out west colonize the west but gay people heard that and they think you know to them in, the, in their minds it was west go to San Francisco find that freedom to be queer to be gay and to go out there and you know for the village people this wasn't one of their bigger hits it was their fourth biggest hit like after YMCA in the Navy and Macho Man but in 1992 uh, the Pet Shop Boys were asked to to perform at an AIDS charity and they decided hey let's do Go West and then they did it and the crowd just loved it so much that they were like "We, we need to release this and it was a huge hit for them so let's hear the original village people Go West Start life new Together This is what we'll 
Go West by the Village People, which was also featured in the film The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And it's funny because when Priscilla, Queen of the Desert came out and Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie uh, Newmar, mm-hmm. we love these movies. It kind of changed the way we thought about drag. Sure. We never thought of them as these great collection of these great gay songs mm. that everybody loved. Um, and certainly if you get if you happen to get a chance to get the soundtrack of either of these films, they're really just wonderful collections of music mm-hmm. that have been lip sync by drag queens through the ages. One song that drag queens in the 80s and 90s loved to lip sync to was Gloria by Laura Branigan. And that's a cover of an Italian song. And actually, uh, Laura Branigan's husband was a record producer and acquired the rights to a couple of different Italian songs that became Americanized for Laura Branigan, her biggest hits. Um, in American Idol, Ian Bernardo <laughs> uh, became an, uh, an international incident mm-hmm. by doing lip by, I guess, doing his cover of it. Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. I think you really don't know. Gloria, Gloria. I think you might be able. I wonder if you can still buy that on iTunes or not. He says he doesn't get any uh, money from it because somebody else recorded it for him and maybe stole the rights from him. Let's listen to Umberto Tosi's original song, Gloria. so much for listening to today's podcast. Feast of Fun is made possible because of fabulous people like you. Visit our store feastoffun.com slash store and get a fantastic t-shirt today. You'll look good in it, guaranteed. A lot of people's tax returns are coming in. Consider making a one-time donation at feastoffun.com slash donate Mm -hmm. or become a member and access 12, 13 years of amazing podcasts at feastoffun.com slash plus. Is the podcast really over? Please don't leave me this way. Oh, my God, Mark. I almost forgot. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best songs. We're saving the best for last. uh, Another gay anthem. Uh, That song's been in my head the past couple of days. I don't know why. But one of the my favorite gay anthems that certainly, you know, became the anthem of the AIDS crisis was Thelma Houston's Don't Leave Me This mm-hmm. Way, which was originally it, meant to be recorded by Diana Ross, right? It was originally, yeah, and she didn't want to do it, and so they, they passed it off to her, and it became, because it, it was a huge disco hit, and then in the 80s and 90s it became an anthem for people dying from HIV and AIDS, and uh, the communards with uh, Jimmy Somerville covered it in 1985. Don't Leave Me This Way is one of the key songs associated With the AIDS crisis. I am sure so many people are profoundly grateful that this song existed then and continues to exist to soothe our tortured souls. Mm. 
originally it wasn't meant to be an AIDS anthem, but it was, as my my good friend Smitty would call it, pussy begging music. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Harold Melville and the Blue Notes with uh, Teddy Pentagrass as the lead vocals. And it's basically he's singing to this person like, please don't leave me. I it's love you. a woman you. says, yeah. baby. Well, yeah. I need some more love and please don't leave me this way. <laughs> I really enjoyed about doing this podcast and sort of discovering these original songs that were covered and, mm-hmm. and had a second life as gay anthems was how beautiful these original uh, songs were. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there's something really magical. And I'm so grateful that we're able to, in the age of the Internet, to be able to go around and and dig up these songs because in the past years you know they as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sat in the record shelves of radio stations or museums, and now we actually get to listen to these songs. Because they're all over the internet. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to leave you Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Please don't leave me this way. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. Bye. Bye bye.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.